Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And I'm joined here today with James um, as we try and make sense of 90 minutes of absolute garbage. What on earth was that? James, how are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I, I, <laughs> this is going to be a really fun one, guys. Bear with me. Um, I, I just don't know what I've just seen, really. Uh, that was a... was. I'm trying not to swear, but I really want to. Um, there is yeah, a I'm game gonna... on in the next 25 minutes, which is which could be season-defining. Yeah. And it could be our rivals doing it, which is which hurts. Because um, if they beat Aston Villa, that's it. I I I think that's it. Really, it's done. We're playing yeah, well, European football next Spurs. season. We still got pace Spurs. Yeah, so. I know. I I mean, I get that. We beat Spurs. If they win, we beat Spurs, and then what? We're trailing by two points, one point. We then need to beat Chelsea as well. And Chelsea have just turned over Southampton six goals to nil. This is is it six nil? Was it six nil in the end? Six nil was the end. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny what literally two weeks can do um, yeah. to your football club. You know, two weeks ago, we were, we, were, we were on top of the world saying, oh, Champions League, da, 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 da. and now we sit here potentially having thrown it all away. And I said it last, I said it last week, if we do throw it all away, you know, we have to take it. We have to take what's going to come to us because we're going to be known as one of the biggest bottle jobs in. I I I, th- I I think we've dropped it. I think we've dropped the ball completely. The two games that we should have won, Palace and Brighton, maybe Palace less, but less so because we know, well, I know what it's like to play at Selhurst Park against the Palace side that have been so well drilled under um, Patrick Vieira. But Brighton at home, there's no excuse. There's no excuse, guys. You should be picking up three points, Brighton at home. This is a team. Who haven't won their haven't won a game in the last what is it the last eight something ridiculous like that let's find well, out we, we give free wins away we give free wins so you know we're we're, we're free um it reminds me yeah. of uh, Everton do you remember when we played Everton and they hadn't won in the last like ten or something stupid like that step, step right up and get a free win that's what we are step right up and get a free win so uh, before this game Brighton hadn't won in their last one two three four five six seven eight oh in the last seven yeah so the last the last win was in February February twelfth against against Brighton sorry against Watford uh, yeah when it rains it pours as they like to say and this one really this one this one stings um and it stings for so many different reasons not not just because of the result but because of the manner of which that we lost in we lost we lost it in spectacular fashion like we we uh, it was it was so reminiscent to the to the game against palace except that we were playing against a weaker opposition and had they had a little bit more quality in the final third they would have you know run away with it turned us over yeah yeah um yeah you know, I haven't seen us play that bad in months. Uh, you go back, I go back to Emery, last stages of him, maybe. Um, you know, when well, we, I think we played we, pretty bad last week, but I think you mean like home, home at home. Yeah, absolutely at home. Not like not um, not. I wasn't. You know, yeah. two 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 uh, two uh, two episodes. What am I talking about? Two games on the <laughs> two games on the spin. We played absolutely rubbish, and uh, it always happens. You know, we we have this. 
wave of we have this high and then we just go down to the lowest of lows and uh you know it's it's a carbon copy of what's happened previously and it will continue to happen mm. that's, right, why well, we needed, that's why we needed an investment in january yeah we're going to talk about that and, we're going to uh, talk about yeah. a whole lot of factors that have that has that has you know resulted in our in our demise in such a short period of time uh, what well, i would the, say yeah. what i would also say is that as a as a a little bit of a positive a little bit of a positive it's not over yet anything mm. can happen in the premier league that's that's the only positive i'll take i know there's not many positive faces out there i'm not i'm, I'm certainly not positive yeah. as you would expect but it isn't over there still is a little bit of a chance and, uh, yeah, uh, there there is. Look, I know as, uh, at the beginning I said that Arsenal bottled it, but uh, mathematically, I mean, not just mathematically. You look at the league table. We've lost that game. We are now on level points with Spurs with the same games, same amount, same amount of games being played. Spurs beat Villa. Uh, they, they 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 you know they they play a game extra than us, but then we have to go to White Hart Lane and play them. We beat them, then we're you know we're back on top, I guess. Uh, maybe you could say that. I don't know. I don't know. There's so many. There's so many twists and turns yet to come, and this was just one of them. But um, it, it creates all the more problems going forward to next season because if we get Champions League football, then uh, we're going to get turned over in the Champions League. Are we going to be able to deal with the pressure of playing in the Champions League and the Premier League? Um, uh, you know, having just witnessed the last two performances, I'm inclined to say no. We're not there yet. We're not ready to to split to play in two different you know competitions, uh, an extra competition, let alone the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. The squad is so thin; it looks so depleted at the minute. There is no real, um, I don't know. There's 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 no real. It doesn't fit this this current mold of players. When you when you take out Tierney, Part A. And when you take Shaka out of his normal position, when you don't have a number nine as well up front, and when you yeah. don't have a right back as well, because Tommy Asu's out, it, it creates many problems. And this is something that I identified, you know, a, a few months ago. I looked at Arsenal performing really well, and I said, "Wow, if we can keep this eleven players, these eleven players fit, we have got a really yeah. good squad." But you take one of them out, it's like yeah. a house of cards. It all falls. It all tumbles. Uh, yeah. Because every one of those players that that, that uh, in our in, in the starting eleven that I mentioned, um, that who were you know that were winning games, um, they were performing their role. They were they were uh, fulfilling their duties perfectly in Arteta's system. They were doing everything that was asked of them and more. But more importantly, tactically speaking, they were doing they were perfect for that role. And I think that's why uh, they were brought in. And I'm talking about players like you know White, uh, Tommy Asu, Tierney. Um, was Tierney brought under Arteta? He wasn't, was he? No. Uh, but players like, you know, uh, Granite Shaka were in the position that he's currently playing in at the minute. Uh, Martinelli bring it, bring in, being involved now. Um, they they all have uh, an important tactical part to play. And, you know, Cedric can't fulfill those needs. Uh, when you take Shaka and Party out of that uh, sort of that anchor role, uh, those dual anchor roles, you know, to put Sambi in there is, is highly ambitious. Um, there are big problems. There are big problems right now in the sense that we don't have enough depth, number one. Number two, if we do have depth, do we have the right calibre of players to fill in? Do we have like for likes? No, I don't yeah. think we do. There's a, there's a, there's the, the looming 
everlasting question of the number nine. Like, who, who on what on earth? Who made the decision to go into the remainder of the season without purchasing a number nine? At least bring someone in on loan. You know, Arsenal have been infamous for making, um, you know, January loan transfers that have worked out, but have also not worked out. You look at Odegaard as a prime example, and then you think back to players like Kim Kallstrom. Was Kim Kallstrom on loan to us, or was he? Yeah, I think so. But yeah. the, their, their reasoning for that is, sorry to interrupt you, their reasoning yeah. for that is, there wasn't anyone out there and it wasn't... I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe it wasn't. It wasn't the right... You know, there wasn't anyone out there and it wasn't the right fit for Arsenal Football Club. You know who You know who was out there? Who? who Arteta, Arteta apparently personally turned down? Mm. Mauro Cardi turned down. I mean, look, uh, the, the, problem, the problem that I have with that and the counter-argument to that is when you're... When, when you've got a number nine, what what are you looking for? What are the qualities that you need in a number nine? And I understand that, you know, it's controversial because it depends on the style of football that you want to play. But if you want to make a list of uh, hierarchical or, you know, if you want to make a list of qualities and um, essential things that are, you need, a, that you're looking for in a number nine, there's two things. There is, well, there's one thing only, really, and that's goals. You look for goals. Right now, regardless of whether you want an aerial uh, striker, whether you want a ball playing striker, whether you want a false nine, whether you want, um, I don't know, someone who can uh, play with his back towards the goal, I think that's all secondary. The first and foremost important thing is that you need a goal scorer, and the fact that Arsenal overlooked that, they're now paying the price for it. This was again another example, another game where. Uh, a number nine was missing where Lacazette was effectively playing as the invisible nine. He was in and around the, 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 the Brighton uh, half of the pitch, but um, there was no substance. There was nothing there. He was making touches, picking up the ball, playing it onwards, uh, playing it out wide, but there was, there was nothing really effective about his game that, um, you know, helped to uh, progress the play. And that was a massive, massive issue and, and one now that the club are going to have to look at and address going forward to the last eight games of the season. We've got Southampton next who have just been smashed by Chelsea 6-1. Uh, I think they were playing at home as well. And, and we played one. Yeah, it was 6-1. And we played them, uh, sorry, 6-0, sorry. Uh, and we played them at St. Mary's. So they're going to be, they're going to want to respond to that, you know, battering against us and I guess there's no better time to play Arsenal than now for them in their in their, in their point of view uh I'm, I'm I'm interested to break this down because I think this was a, a different kind of defeat to the one that to the one that uh we faced against Palace midweek uh because there was a lot of changes in the starting 11 mm-hmm. uh, most notably no 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 Nuno no Tavaj and yep. instead uh, Arteta decided Shaka. to slot Shaka in at left back. Why, why do you think you made that decision? It's a it's a big call, isn't it? Because it's worked previously, and yeah. I guess <laughs> it's very it's very it's very um, even in life. This is very when something when something normally works, you normally stick with it, don't you? Yeah. When, when, when something's worked before, you normally go, "Oh, that can happen again. We'll just stick with that." Happened well last time. It can't go. I'm still not sure about that. Siri can't understand either. <laughs> um, no, uh, you know, if it's happened, if you do something and something, you've done something a certain way 
and it works, you're gonna you're obviously gonna do it again. And and I remember uh, a couple of seasons. Uh, was it like last season he was playing left back at yeah. the time? Yeah. And everyone was like, "Oh, Jacker at left back. It's really really working." So therefore, that's why he's obviously gone there again. And uh, he is absolutely out. Well, not outcast, but is absolutely forgotten about Tavaj, who yeah. is playing in his natural position of left back. You know, he doesn't even get a start. So Jacker slots in there. And it, it must have been a really, I imagine it must have been a really tough call for Arteta because on the one hand, you've got uh, a player who you've now taken off twice in two successive games in the first half. Um, and, you know, the the question of whether you play him or not will have an impact on on the player's confidence, but not just his confidence, but, you know, you've also got, uh, you've also got to bear in mind his, 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 you know, what happens to him after you make that decision? Because you choose not to play him. That's just going to have an even more of an impact on his confidence. Absolutely. It begs the question of what's going to happen to him when he does eventually play. How is he going to react? What kind of pressure is he going to play under? And um, hindsight is a beautiful thing, but had we won this game, maybe we, we wouldn't be talking about this decision. Um, but you look at the two goals that we conceded and they both came down that, that flank, uh, that right-hand side or that left-hand side for us. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I totally understand why Shaka would be played in there. Uh, had you asked me before the game, I probably would have said the same thing, play Shaka in that position because we've seen him play there. He's done a good job there before. He seems like he's, you know, when he's playing as a, as an anchor as well, he seems to slot in there um, when we don't have possession. Uh, but then we also saw Sambi um, come in and, hard, yeah. yeah, and um, play, effectively replace um Thomas Partey and the system as well kind of altered because you had Shaka playing left back with Gabriel White and Cedric that's a you know a normal back four and then it kind of changed a little bit with Sambi playing as almost as a as a lone uh anchor um Odegaard was playing alongside him but Odegaard's a little bit more advanced we know he naturally plays as a number 10 uh you had Smithrow as well who I think was our um, natural number 10 but I think I think we were playing almost with like two number 10s one on the right one on the left and then Sambi just playing in behind um, yeah. uh, but how did you how did you feel about seeing Sambi on the team lineup? I think it was inevitable wasn't it um, yeah it was inevitable because we, you know Xhaka obviously has deputised for Tierney in a left back position that he's not familiar with but you know it's not his natural position I mean and then the other the only other midfielder we have well, midfielders, because we do have Alneni, but I don't know what's happened to him. Yeah. Um, is Sammy Lukonga. And Sammy Lukonga hasn't really played that. I remember he was very, um, he was featured very heavily in the start of the season. You know, mm. there was, there was a, a string of games where he couldn't, couldn't get out of the Arsenal side, let alone um, get back in it. But uh, now is the time that Arteta's obviously saw, he's obviously seen something that makes him better than Alneni. And then, you go with him. Um, maybe because he's a bit younger, so he has more in the tank than any. I don't know. No. Um, but I, I, I just don't know. Um, I think it's, it's, it's stuff that we'll find out in the Amazon documentary. And if we if we do somehow fuck this up, this, this Amazon documentary is going to be uh, one hell of a two-sided story because uh, yeah. from, the, from the highs of, of, of the last few weeks and now the lows of this, and it's going to be 
horrendous. But yeah, it's it's been very very topsy turvy. Uh, because if you remember back to the beginning of the season, we had that terrible start. We then had a a, a bit of a a bit of a bump as well. Um, in January. So, uh, but Arsenal traditionally do end the season quite well, uh, especially us uh, under Arsene. We we were usually the the kind of side that in the last ten fifteen games or not ten fifteen games maybe ten to twelve games we would um, see the rest of the season out pretty well. Uh, but back yeah. to um, back to Sambi and the position that he was playing in today. Um, were you? I mean, I don't I don't think I don't think many people would have considered El Neni starting. Um, but I. I'm one of those who are beginning to question now why haven't we seen Elneny play? Because um We can't a, we can't answer that question. It's it's a difficult one because when I look at yeah. when I when I look at our system and I look at um the football that we are trying to not necessarily trying to play uh, I mean look, what do you look for when a key player is taken out of your starting lineup, you look for stability, right? You look for, a, yeah. you know, someone who can come in and who can stabilize that position on the pitch. Especially, especially in the middle of the pitch, right? Sambi, I look at someone and I see a young, promising, almost like a diamond in the rough, uh, a player with bags of talent, bags of ability. And he showed that today. But at the beginning of the game, when you want to bounce back from a defeat playing against the side who haven't won in their last seven, I want assurances that my midfield will be as solid and as capable as they can be. And I would have played Elneny in that position because I know I know what you get with Elneny. You get someone who is a safe choice as a midfielder. You've got someone who will pass the ball short. Uh, you know he will make those passes accurately. He might be frustrating in the sense that he lacks creativity and ideas, but you know you've got a player there that can fulfil a role, and so I was a bit disappointed that Elneny wasn't wasn't selected. Um, what do you think the rationale was behind starting Sambi? With those facts in mind, uh, I don't know. The only, the only thing I can think of is, uh, as I said, what I just said. Maybe maybe he has more to give than El Nini. You know, we're not, we're not, you know, we can speculate about these things, but we're not, we're not, you know, we're not privy to what goes on. Maybe there's like a, I don't know, maybe, maybe this shows that El Nini is, is, is coming towards the end of his Arsenal career because if you're not getting played much. Yeah, his then, contract ends at the end of this season, doesn't it? So, so if you're not played much, then that signifies <laughs> they're pushing you towards the exit door. Mm. You know, that, that that's happened that's happened with even higher profile players than in the Arsenal side. You think of Aubameyang and you think of Ozil when you don't get, when you don't get played, <laughs> it doesn't really end well for you um, as an Arsenal player. Um, but I don't know. You mm. know, we're not, I'm not, we're not, I'm not Arteta. I don't know. I, I don't know what, what goes on in his head. You know, it's not me. It's not me having to go at Arteta, but today he had, I think he got uh, some things wrong, you know, the, the last two, the last two games, I think he's got something, something's wrong. You know, saying the likes of, you know, we have nothing. Well, you, you, you were tasked with going, going out in January and getting something. Yeah. Oh, why didn't, yeah, why didn't you do that? That's a good point. Um, 
Is it because, again, I don't want to bring this up, but I feel like I have to. Is it because the Cronkies won't give you any money? Yeah. Or is it because, as as Arsenal say, there wasn't anything right out there and and there, and, there, um, and it has to be the right thing for Arsenal? But there were so many people out there. There was, there was Bahalovic that we didn't get. I know he's not doing very well for Juventus right now, but, you know, there was Bruno Gimaraes who absolutely took the piss out of us in his announcement video saying that we don't have the money to buy him. Maybe mm. that was true, I don't know. Um, but all these players that could have improved our squad and could have potentially secured top four already, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Mm. Well, look, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily saying that um, uh, Sam, having Sambi there was a bad thing. I think he, out, of, out of most of the players, he, he produced uh, a better performance and showed more heart, desire and intensity, uh, especially in the second half. Um, but the rest, I mean, having a look at the rest of the the the, t- the team lineup, it it looked very exciting at the beginning. Uh, before the game kicked off, I was very very, um, I was excited and I was looking forward to seeing the likes of Odegaard, Smithrow, Martinelli, and Saka all playing together. Especially seeing Odegaard in a little bit more of an advanced central midfield position because I think um, I've been calling for it. I've been calling for it for a while. Um, was it was it therefore surprising how slowly we started in that opening first 10 to 15 minutes? Like what, what was happening? Because in the first opening minute, we saw Lacazette almost steal the ball off one of the defenders and cause a problem for Brighton at the back. But then after that, um, it was very much a game. It was very much an opening 10, 15 minute spell of holding possession uh, trying to move the ball around, getting into a rhythm, but then that's it. There was no real yeah. signal of us penetrating again. Brighton defense. I think that. I think that. I think you know. I can just say same old Arsenal. You know, we we have this this great knack of you know starting games wonderfully and and playing really nice football. You know. I've seen some of the best football I've seen as a fan this season, you know, um, because of our young players and the Hairland, the Hairland boys and everyone else, you know. And to, today, it seemed like we were, I don't know, we were just playing a friendly game, like it didn't, like it didn't matter. I think back to, I think back to the Crystal Palace game of uh, Emery's um, first season, you know, when he absolutely bottled it mm. and decided to play really. Shit players against. Sorry about the dog. Sorry. Uh, shit players. Shit players against Crystal Palace, and uh, and we were in a similar position then. If we were, if we'd have won that game, we probably would have got top four. And who knows? Emery might have still been here. Um. Uh. But he decided to absolutely bottle it, and the football we played. I was at that game, and the football we played. The football we played then. It was very similar to to today. I thought we were very lethargic, at the time, very clumsy. You know. Just not what I'm not what we're used to seeing this season. Mm. Um. Yeah. Um. But usually, uh, when Arsenal, well, usually when Arsenal starts slow, they end up playing slow for the remainder of the game. But you 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 expect Arsenal to, in front of their home crowd to then pick up the pace a little bit, yeah. and it 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 never really happened. Um, Fans were doing their bit, but the the players weren't. 
players weren't. Risking. I don't know. I've, even even the fans. I mean, I got the impression that in the first half, especially, it was it was quite flat. Everything was really quite flat. Like because I think we're trying to. I think that people are still trying to process um, yeah. Monday's defeat. It was a nervy atmosphere, wasn't it? It was like a, a little bit of a not not anxious, but it was kind of like, well, what's going to happen here? You know, very cautious. Everyone was very just aware and I guess okay. just hypersensitive, not hypersensitive, but hyper aware that we've got a game here that we have to win. And so that, yeah. I think that really created that somber. Is that the right word? A little bit somber. Um, yeah, it, it was very, you know, I think, I think we were still on edge from Monday's result. Mm. And when you have a game so soon after a defeat like that, it's literally been Monday and Saturday. It's literally only a couple of days. Uh, I think you're, you, that is still in your mind, and you think, "Oh, we can't lose this one because we lost on Monday." And then if we, then then you think, "Oh, what if we do lose this one? And then what's going to happen?" And you know, you need to get that out of your system as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's why for me, I always try and um, get defeats out of my head as quickly as possible. But then. Today I, I I was greeted with another one, so yeah, in typical I, Arsenal fashion. And you could you could see that. Well, I don't I don't know whether you could see it, but I I, I could definitely tell that the players were they were playing with that added pressure, and I guess it seemed like that that defeat was kind of looming over their heads, and that's what um separates the really top elite sides to, I guess, good decent medium mid table sides they don't let anything phase them. They don't let the past phase them. And I felt like Arsenal were being held back from that defeat. Nothing was really working. It was all very sloppy, uh, especially at the back. Um, silly fouls, silly clearances. There was a moment uh, quite early on, I think maybe 15 odd minutes, where Ramsdale makes a clearance um, to give a, a Brighton a throw-in from, from practically under no pressure at all. Um, and... You have to give credit to Brighton as well because I felt like in the opening stages of the game they they kept everything really compact and tight. Um, they overloaded the midfield with with bodies and it, it made it that much more difficult for us to progress the play, for us to pass and move and find space. Um, yeah, we were losing we were losing possession as well on quite a few occasions. So yeah, very very strange opening. You know, ten twenty minutes of the game. I felt like we needed to find. Martinelli and, and Saka uh, as soon as possible and we, we, we couldn't do that um, did you I mean I, I noticed that Arsenal were playing very simple balls um, and often maybe the wrong options t- taking the wrong options or the safest options um, yeah. why do you I mean, because when I when I associate with this season's Arsenal, I associate with with us playing, you know, free flowing football, uh, with lots of confidence, with lots of um, carefree, you know, passes, playing it forward, progressing it forward rather than sideways and backwards, which is which is what I associate with, you know, Emery's Arsenal or uh, the last few years of Wenger's Arsenal. But it it was it was strange to see that today. Like, what do you think was down to them not playing the usual style that they would usually do? Because 
yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll let you answer that now. Um, again, I think most of what I'm saying, I have to repeat myself because I can't think of anything else. Uh, again, I think it's they'll still have the results from Monday in their mind, and they'll. I think they'll. they'll they over. I think I'm not a footballer, but I. I, I would. I would overthink. I would overthink it. So I would be like, oh, I have to. We have to perform really, really well on 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 Saturday so we can avenge what happened on 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 Monday. And if you if you, I think if you were to overthink that too much, you'd become a little bit. I don't know. Is um, is there a is there a sort of certain fear element of not wanting to make a mistake? Exactly, exactly. Being yeah. overly cautious. So that so I think that's why we decided to play so cautious today because if if we knew that if we if we took everything like threw everything at it, we could potentially get caught on the caught and lose again. Mm. And these Arsenal players don't want to lose again because then then they feel they've let the the fans down. Which they, you know, if they don't, if they if they don't get top four, they ultimately have. But in their eyes, they don't want to let the fans down because we, they've been so good this season. Let's be honest. Hmm. You know, these these last two games haven't. But overall, I think Arsenal have been very good this season in the, in the football they played. Um, with the togetherness in the squad and the likes of Aaron Ramsdale, you know, everybody, everybody else, they don't want to let they don't want to let, let us down as as supporters, but. So I think that's why they're playing so cautiously because they don't want to do, let that happen again. But sometimes, you know, I, guess, I, guess, I guess if you still play as cautious as that, you still run the risk of being carved open. Maybe it's because we weren't quick enough or things like that. I don't know. But I mean, but under Arteta, we 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 we've heard this before: the non-negotiables, and one of them being is that. Oh, well, I don't know whether it's uh, it's been confirmed as being one of the non-negotiables, but I get the impression that when I watch Arsenal play under Arteta, one of the non-negotiables is the 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 urgency, the cons- the consistent, you know, pressing and playing with that high intensity. I was really taken aback by the lackluster lackluster attitude of um, our football without the ball. Usually, yeah. you know, if, if, if logic dictates that if you don't, if you if you if you don't have the ball in football anyway, if you don't have the ball and you're trying to win a football match and you're trying to get the upper hand on your opposition, you win the ball back as soon as possible. But there was no sense of urgency. There was no sense of wanting to win the ball back from Brighton when they had the ball in possession. Everyone was almost sat back, sat off, just waiting, biding their time. Yeah. Why was that? What, what what happened? What happened to that mentality? Because they're all elite professional footballers. Surely someone has to on that pitch. All of them have to collectively agree that when they lose the ball, they need to win it back. You would think. You would think so. Um, would you put that down to? Would you put that 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 uh, collective decision of just right? We're gonna just uh, sit off and just wait and see what happens. Is it is it a lack of respect for the opposition? Is it a lack of confidence in maybe a lack of unit because because maybe a lack of respect because as you said, Brighton haven't won in seven games, hmm. and and they 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 might think, oh yeah, well, don't, don't worry, they haven't won in seven games. It's good. But if we, if we if we wait long enough, they're going to make a mistake. I think that's what it was. If we wait long enough, Brighton are going to make a mistake. They're going to get tired. And then we can go. We we can go ahead and 
and put the game to bed. But but unfortunately, it was the other way around. We began to get tired, and they they began to get more and more up for it. So, with uh, here, here's a here's a nice um, little statistic uh, from Elliot at Yankee Gunner, who puts on Twitter: six shots in the first half, four shots and zero on target between halftime and the seventy eighth minute. 10 shots and two big chances in the last 10 minutes. The urgency and intensity wasn't right until it was too late. And that's the point I'm trying to drive at. That's what I don't understand about this Arsenal side. And and, and we need it too late. Yeah, but like, why? Because we, we know how good we can be. We know how dangerous we can be when we're playing up against oppositions. And let's be honest, Brighton aren't, uh, a side that we need to be afraid of by any stretch of the imagination. They beat us at the Emirates by taking advantage in the first half and taking their chances in the second half. But it was ultimately down to our lack of, uh, what's the better word or phrase, um, of having the cojones, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Maybe, I was going to say that earlier, but I, yeah. I was going to say that just now, but I didn't want to bring uh bring up old <laughs> old news but again as Troidini said some of them may lack a little bit of balls you know and and i think he was bang on and and this is this is the perfect game f- to demonstrate um you know the arsenal mindset the arsenal mentality to some extent the arsenal dna we've seen it time and time again and it's just happened again uh it's 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 unbelievable that you know, it's it's just uh, gobsmacks. Like gobsmack, I'm gobsmacked to think that throughout ninety minutes or eighty minutes of football, you're unable to to flick that switch on, and then when you see, um, you have a glimmer of hope. All of a sudden, it's you know, yeah. all, all guns blazing. Like we are, we're, we're able to um, create ten shots, two big opportunities. And I, I I can't I can't blame Arteta for that because you can only give so much on the sidelines. It really is down to individuals on the pitch, and the individuals that I'm looking at particularly are the senior players. Um, and so I point fingers at the likes of Lacazette and Granite Xhaka. Um, I don't know if there were, there were any other. Um, if you're talking about leadership type players, maybe Odegaard. Um, Cedric, but those two in particular, um, I, I mean, what, what what did you see in them in the first half? I'm nothing. interested. I'm interested to hear from your perspective. Honestly, um, nothing. You know, I don't. I did. I don't. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything that got me. You know, that got me going. Oh yeah, we've. Re- I've really seen a change in what happens on from Monday. I didn't see a change whatsoever. None. Even mm. even in the second half, I didn't even see a change, which is most likely when you're when you want to see one is in the second half. After after Arsenal after Arteta has had his team talk, you expect to see a little bit more urgency, but none. Only towards the end, when 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 um, Odegaard scored, I know I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but when Odegaard scored that goal, then then it was time for the Arsenal. It was then it was time for us to you know, sort ourselves out. But again, too late. Yeah, I get the impression that with Shaka and um, Lacazette and, and maybe a few other players that they are almost, almost like yes men, almost like um, well, yeah, I'll do that. Don't worry. journeymen, yeah. you know, where, 
where 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 when the team is winning, when we're on a high, everyone's like, yes, you know, and then and they'll be there in the background, like, yes, you know, here we go. Um and Tottenham won it up. <laughs> Sorry? Ah, Tottenham won it up. Oh really? Yes. How many minutes has it been? Uh, about eight, minutes. not even ten. Not even ten minutes. Mm. So this gives really... three minutes, yeah. Mm. Um obviously when you're when you're listening to this, you'll know what the results are, but um we don't. So um yeah, that's not great. Uh, but look, uh, talking, uh, we're talking about the 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 Arsenal mentality, the attitude and mindset. And in, in order to get through, you know, tough patches like this, when 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 you need to bounce back, you need leaders, you need players of a certain ilk, and we don't have those. We really don't have those. I didn't I didn't see anything on the pitch today that indicated that there are players that take the game by the scruff of the neck. There are players that dictate. I mean, uh, if there was one player uh, in the second half, I would say it was Sambi. Uh, when we when we started that second half, but um, we'll talk about the second half very shortly. I just want to talk about a few uh, key points in the first half. So there were no real opportunities created um, up until I think like the 35th, 36th, something like that minute where a brilliant worked free kick between Cedric and Saka um, saw a ball being crossed deep into the box and then Gabriel heads it and I think it skims the post. Um, but up until that, there wasn't really much that we were able to do with the ball. It seemed like when we win the ball in good areas of the middle of the pitch, um, we opt to play the wrong pass. We opt to play the pass backwards or sidewards or just, you know, fail to um, play balls in between the line. And that was some, that's something that we've been doing really well under Arteta, uh, failing to find Martinelli and Saka as well. And I, and I always say this, that when you're playing with low confidence, you want to try and get the ball into the feet of the, the players with the most amount of talent, talent, ability. And those two players on the pitch were Saka and Martinelli and they were um, failing to get the ball. And when they did, I saw Martinelli on a few occasions driving down the left-hand side, um, you know, driving into the box trying to get the balls into the box and at one and, and at one uh, at one occasion he did um do really well to play the ball into Saka but then unfortunately um colliding with Smith Rowe um and and the ball being being um put out for a goal kick do you remember that that chance where mm-hmm. Martinelli put the ball into the box and then Saka and Smith Rowe kind of ran into each other yeah. um that for me kind of just epitomized epitomized <laughs> and, and so the one that summed up for me was the right last minute when uh, they hit the uh, hit the bar. Uh, yeah, and they couldn't get it in. That that summed up yeah. for me that we yeah. And we're gonna talk. Uh, we'll talk about that. But let's before we move on to that one. Let's talk about the goal itself. Trossard with a great hit. Uh, it was from from what I remember, there was a lot of space left out on the right hand side for Mwepu to run into, and you know. <laughs> Like I said, hindsight is great. Uh, if we had won this game, we wouldn't be talking about this. But had Tavaj been started, had had he been picked for the game, do you think that he would have posi- positioned himself a little bit better than Granite Shackle did? Because Shackle was so far up the pitch that he'd left that whole space empty for Mwepu to run into. He puts in a yeah, glorious ball into the box and then um, uh, Trossard finishes it. Do you know why I think he would have? Because he's a natural left back. Mm. Just yeah. because, um, just because he's a natural left back, and I think he will understand what he needs to do. One second, I just need to. You can continue. I just need to, because um, someone's just pulled up at my house. One oh, second. okay. No worries. No worries. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I find it hard to criticize Arteta on this 
particular decision because um, I myself would have picked Granite Shaka to play left back at the beginning of the game. Um, I made a point of it last episode that I think Shaka uh, shores up the left and defensively, he does do a pretty good job. I have to be honest, but it's in that transition when we are attacking, because naturally you think about the development of Granit Xhaka under Arteta. He's been told to play a little bit more advanced. He's been um, urged on to play as a, um, you know, m- more, more of a ball playing central midfielder than an anchor. And maybe that instinct, maybe the instinct of, uh, his, you know, ball playing midfield midfielder profile uh, disrupts his left back playing profile. James, I was just making the point that you know Granit Xhaka le- leaving that space in behind might be due to the fact that under Arteta he's played a little bit more of an advanced midfielder, so his natural instinct might be to drive forward um, exactly. whenever we have, whenever in position, in possession, sorry, rather than sit exactly. off and. Yeah, although he's playing left back, I think some of it, some of his some of his midfield play might creep into that position, like you've just been saying. Mm. And uh, I think if you're if you're if you play a position week in week out, I think you're going to make a, you're going to have a lot of those what, 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 a lot of those tendencies that you would if you were playing in midfield to transfer over to any position you're playing. Maybe not maybe not goalkeeper, but um, you know, if you're playing, you know, as you said, if you're playing left back, you might you, you might want to drive forward a little bit more, and then leave it open. And I think that's what happened today. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that did happen because when you're playing against Brighton, with all due respect to them, I know they got the three points, but you wouldn't be worrying about what's coming down that flank. Um, and actually, before before uh, just before they 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 got the ball, Lacazette was you know driving forward and closing down the, the, the final defender. I forgot who it was. It was the final defender um, who Lacazette was trying to close down. I need to find out, otherwise it's going to really bug me. It was... Um, Dunk. It was Lewis Dunk that he was trying to close down and then Dunk plays a really, really good ball over to uh, Mwepu. And then, yeah, it's, 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 sorry, it's uh, Brighton 1, Arsenal 0. At this point, what are you thinking? We won nil down. They've just scored. Here we go again. Is <laughs> mm. exactly uh, here we go again. And where what has what has changed? You know, I expected a change today. When you lose a game like that, as you do in midweek, you want a response. I mm. always say response, response, response. We need a response when we when we lose a game. I wanted a response last a uh, couple of weeks ago. We got that response then, um, but this time we didn't. Um, and you're thinking, here we go again. And then you're also thinking, what does that mean for the rest of the season? Because it it does start to creep in pretty quickly that we might have fucked this up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, we were very unfortunate because, like you said before earlier, at the end of the first half, we, we worked really hard to get a goal back. And I guess the only chances that we were being able to create were from set pieces. Um. Just before we talk about that, actually, can we can we just have a quick chat and make the point about Saka getting absolutely butchered? Uh, yeah, throughout the end of that first half, I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know what was what was going on with with the, um, 
officiating, but I felt like uh, they were not officiating. The officiating, I'm not, I'm not even going to mention the officiating because you know what I mean. If you want to know what I mean, go, go, go and watch. Let's listen to previous episodes of the podcast. You know, I mention it every single time. Refereeing in this country is a joke. You know, VAR in this country is a joke. It's not VAR. It's the people that are running it. If you're telling me. That that goal shouldn't have been given again. That goal shouldn't have been given because it was clear and obvious. Uh, what was it? Clear and obvious. Yeah. There wasn't, yeah. There wasn't a camera angle, so why did you disallow it in the first place? Because there's no camera angle to say didn't or did did or did not. Um, it's inconclusive. Mm. So what are you going to do? Rule out the goal together or give it to us as a, as a as a kind of benefit in the doubt and maybe give it to us as like oh we're sorry for the wrong we're so we're we're sorry for the. Um, the previous mistakes we've made when in an Arsenal game, you know, mm. there, have, there have been made, there have been previous mistakes made by the VAR, but uh, and the officiating is no different. I think Xhaka is Saka is one of those players. Sorry that that is is fast and he's a little bit like Jack Grealish and Wilfred Zaha to the point where he, you know, will will wriggle will wriggle past players and and players will get really really annoyed at that. I want to exploit it and take you down. So, well, there has to be more done about this because it, it, you know. So, but then, but, yeah, um, my point is that yeah, there are different there are different profile of players, but you need to protect the the players with with that kind of profile. You need to protect them more, surely, no? Because when when they're so silky on the ball and they're able to yeah, get away from their fair. opposition, you know that the opposition, you know that the player marking them are going uh, have no choice but to you know kick at them, lash at them, uh, physically intimidate them. Um, but, you know, what happens when you've got a player with that amount of talent going to waste? Someone who might pick up I long-term injury. Would that be fair or not? Would that be fair? If, we that, well, if, we, if referees did that for every single player like that, wouldn't other players get really annoyed? Like, oh, you're protecting this player because, of, you know. I think it... <sighs> I mean, let's think about this logically here, right? You've got two two profile type of players. You've got a Granite Shaka type of player. Let's say you've got a Thomas Partey type of player and you've got a Bukayo Saka type of player. Who needs more yeah. protecting out of the two? In my in my opinion, I think um, it's inevitable that Bukayo Saka is going to need more protection because he's going to see more of the ball. He's going to be able to uh, run away from his marker uh, you know, a lot easier than someone like Thomas Partey. Thomas Partey is physically built bigger, stronger, and his profile suggests that he's he is not going to be kicked at, lashed at as much as Bakayo Saka is. So there is an argument to be made that players like Bakayo Saka, wingers specifically, do need more protecting because they're more likely to 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 be at the end of a career-ending challenge. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. But I mean, uh, yeah, that won't change unless we have new. That won't change unless we have a. A new, um, you know, a new uh, refereeing association. Yeah, yeah. Association. I think now they're trying to uh, get referees to actually go to clubs and train with the players so that they can understand a little bit more about, like, a, like try and build a well, not friendship, but. Um, well, I don't think there's any excuses anymore about referees because we've got VAR. So since VAR is in the equation, surely when you see you know, challenges that are quite vicious, um, quite aggressive. Uh, and, you know, I'm not trying to take away the nature of the game, but there are limits. There has to be limits, right? So you need something like VAR to intervene and say, right, this is a yellow card. Uh, 
this is a yellow card incident or, you know, this is sending off. Um, there were far too many Brighton players out there. I can name two from the top of my head. I think it was Basuma and Kukurea who were quite lucky to stay on. Um, yeah. Who was it? It was Basuma that, that received the yellow card uh, earlier on. Gross got a red card, uh, sorry, a yellow card as well, but should have and really could have and really should have picked up a second yellow in the second half. Um, but yeah, the Martinelli, the Martinelli offside for me, really strange one. Uh, like you said, if they don't have a camera angle, then how are you determine, determining whether it's offside or not? Um, exactly. Strange. Really, really strange. I mean, yeah. you know, we this this far conversation is 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 something that we're going to have for the next three to five years, I think, before it's all ironed out properly. Uh, but moving on to the second half, we, we did see a change in system. The shape changed with Sambi playing with Shaka in midfield. Shaka looked more advanced. And then we looked like we were playing with a natural back three uh, with, I don't know, Martinelli playing as a, as a, as a wing back or something like that. Or I think it might have been Emil Smith-Rowe playing as a wing back. Um, but in any case, Shaka had been moved from left back to central midfield. And it looked better. I mean, the response seemed to be a lot more... Uh, Let me ask you this. Let yeah, me ask on. you this one question. Yeah. Why couldn't, for this game, why can't you call somebody up from the academy? It's a, it's a massive, massive risk. And also, you're, you're, you're asking... Uh, no, but you've got, you've got that, 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 new, um, that new defender that we've just signed from... From West Brom, aren't we? So, so isn't he here right back? Uh, who who's that player? So remind me the name. So or somebody. Really? <laughs> yeah, let me have a look. Hold on. He's seen as like one of the best left backs, young left backs in England. What's his name? Why couldn't you? Why couldn't we have just? You know, we've got Joe Lopez. That's another one. Yeah, I don't know about Lopez. Why I don't think he's quite ready. Yeah, you make a case. You definitely make a case, but I, 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 I think instead, it's just... instead of sacrifice, because you just said you just said to me there that Martinelli played a wing back. Why would you want to sacrifice Martinelli at wing back? Well, it was, it was either Martinelli or Emil Smith Rowe, but I understand the point that you're making. Um, here, I think I think the rationale behind not playing a an academy player is when you're playing against when you're playing in a in a in a game of high stakes. Um, it's just not worth it. It's too much of a gamble, I think, because you're asking for a lot from a young player. You're not easing them into the process. Um, and if they make one mistake, that's it. You know, that, that knocks their confidence back 10 steps. And then you've kind of ruined the young, young player's career. So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I personally wouldn't because I think it's too much of a risk. Um, but it just goes back to the, it goes back to the January transfer window. Why didn't we sign anyone? If we, why didn't we foresee situations happening like this? The 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 role of these individuals like Edu and Arteta and others at the club is to foresee, is to plan ahead. If exactly. we know, his name is, uh, his name is Lino Lino de Cruz de Sosa from okay. West Brom. Okay, and I think he is a. I can't see, but yeah, I think he's a left back, and he uh, has been playing really well in like in under twenty three level. So why can't you just mm. stick him in for one game? Mm. Um, but you know, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I mean, look, like I said, I'll just reiterate the points. I think it will be far too, it'll, it'll be a lot of pressure on a young player. And unless you've got the next Trent Alexander-Arnold or someone of that ilk, um, I wouldn't. I think it would be too much of a risk. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I have to give credit where credit is due. And Sambi, for me, in the second half was the only player to step up. Um, in the first opening few minutes, he's driving into the box. He did, he did throw a, he did make a cheeky dive, um, just outside of the box to win a free kick. And that free kick wasn't really, we didn't really use it. I think, um, it was Cedric that took the free kick, hit the wall. Uh, moments later though, because Saka picks up a yellow card for dive, <laughs> for dive. I think there was a lot more contact made on Saka than there was on, um, Sambi. But yeah, this isn't something that I'm liking the look of. I don't really want to see our players resorting to that kind of desperation. Um, but there were plenty of fouls being committed in that second half. I think Brighton knew that they needed to just stamp Arsenal out of the game. Um, and it didn't really work because we were constantly throwing players into the Brighton half. Uh, and it looked good. It looked a lot better than we, than it did in the first half. Um, but you could see that this was ultimately a game of players with confidence and players with no confidence. And one of them exactly. who who is lacking in any confidence at the minute, I, I'm, I'm seeing is Emil Smith-Rowe. Uh, I think he had a, did he pick up a little bit of a knock? He came off in the 62nd minute for Enketia. Um, I think he did, yeah. Yeah. But just before that, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't think it flowed right for him today. I think when he picked up the ball, he was... Um, looking to make the safe passes rather than the usual confident, uh, whatever words we describe, Emil Smith Rowe with just you know the 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 typical part the, the typical nature of of Emil Smith Rowe is someone who is brave and who is always looking to create problems for the opposition. I didn't see that type of player today. Today I saw someone who looked a little bit on edge. Wanted maybe, to just, because it, maybe because he's just burnt out because he's playing every game, literally, nearly every single game this season. Mm, I mean, yeah, mm, but then Martinelli has been playing for him as well when he's been injured. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess yeah, you could make the point that he he might he might be burnt out or he might not have. Maybe it's just he's not he he hasn't been eased back into the to the to the team the right way. Yeah, he's just been put straight back in and gone. You know what? F- fuck you and your recovery. We need you now. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. That's it. Um, but I mean, before they scored their second goal, did you think that we were going to score? In, we were going to score in that second half. Did you see? Did you think a goal was coming? I mean, how no. did you assess the 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 second half performance? Again, I, we conceded. I this is this is the second half where I can safely say that I didn't see a goal coming. Really. You know, when well, maybe when we scored the, our first goal with Martin Odegaard, then you think right now is the time to go and get a second. And I thought it would cut because my stream I was watching it on was um, uh, a a bit behind, so I knew that the goal went in right before it actually gone in on my screen. So there's an element of um, oh come on, we can we can do. But I was I was cautious because if I hear my phone go first, then we haven't done it, and that's exactly what I heard. Mm. Um, and then yeah, but not not. I didn't think we were going to get a goal before we scored that goal with Odegaard. No. Mm. Um, Mwepu scores. They score their second goal, and it's goal. it's a brilliant goal. It really is. It's a great counter attacking goal. It's a fantastically worked goal. 
uh, they scored a second and that's it really. It's, 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 it's game over. I don't think Arsenal are coming back into this game. The, the game itself goes a little bit flat with their second goal. Arsenal trying to push forward, but Brighton defending the lead and playing with a lot of confidence as well because they've got no pressure. Uh, eventually, um, Arteta brings on Pepe, but I don't think Pepe does much. But be- before before Pepe comes on, well, actually, I think he might have come on afterwards, but um, I talk about the last 10 minutes of the game. I'm referring to the last 10 minutes of the game where Odegaard hits a brilliant free kick, hits the post, and then Nketiah misses from, from five yards out. That, for me, just summed up the game. And it yeah, was similar to last game. Uh, I've, I've spoken about Nketiah. Good Carabao player, but doesn't have what it takes to do it in the Premier League. Um I don't know what, why that is or, or, or what was going on. But, you know, when, when that happened, it, it just, it, it's not our day. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, Odegaard, for me as well, was someone who had a bit of a quiet game, had, hadn't quite recovered from uh, Crystal Palace, was, was, you know, wasn't as sharp as he usually is. Uh, Nketiah, for me, I expect, you know, I know what I get with Nketiah, similar with Lacazette. Um, and we're torn between <laughs> Nketiah and Lacazette for the rest of the season, which is really difficult to try and digest. Mm, yeah. Let me ask you this. Who do you play from, from now on, going onwards, um, as, as a number nine? Mm. Or Pepe. Give Pepe. Please, just give Pepe a chance up there. Where he plays for his national team... And every single now, every single international break, either scores or assists or does something special. Just give him a chance at false nine. Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate with someone like Pepe because he just doesn't do the work off the ball, and so Arteta is never going to play him in that position because he needs someone who can dictate the attacking but play. Does, but then, does he do the ball? Does he do work off the ball for his uh, national team then? I don't know, actually. I haven't watched a full 90 minutes um, where he's playing for Ivory Coast. But I know, generally speaking, Pepe is a lazy player. Someone who waits for the ball, picks it up and does his magic. And I think that's one of the non-negotiables for Arteta that he's just not going to be able to wriggle his way around. Uh, but it's t- there's, there's, something has to be done. Uh, that's for yeah. sure. Because yeah. throughout the 80 minutes of that game, nothing was being created. And I think there was a moment where Lacazette did pick up the ball and he had a chance to have a shot on goal, but decided to slip it into Pepe. And then the shot was deflected out for a corner. Um, and that for me suggests that it, here's another player who is playing with absolutely no confidence whatsoever. And he's scared to have a shot on goal, which is, you know, his role. His role as a striker is to, is to try and score, try and put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, but... It was a crazy last six, seven minutes with one of the goal of the season contenders, in my opinion, from Odegaard. I know it was a deflected shot, but it was struck so sweetly. It was like the pace of that shot definitely helped with the combination of the um, deflection and the movement to dink into the top corner of the net. Uh, It was a great response. And I think minutes, it was just, it was moments before that where, where Odegaard, um, hit the free kick and hit the post. Uh, what are you thinking at this point when Odegaard puts the ball in the back of the net? Can we go and do it again in the time that we have left? Um, Did you think they would? And, um, a little part of me thought, you know, it would be nice to get a late, late winner because I love those types of things. 
especially mm. with, with Welbeck on the pitch. He was, I think Welbeck was the last person to really, really score late. Yeah. Uh, against against Leicester in 2015. Uh, yeah, you're hoping for it, but it never came. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it almost did when, um, I don't know if you remember, Enketia with a header that was saved. It was a oh, yeah, bullet yeah, header yeah, yeah. and it was really yeah. well saved by Sanchez. And I think had that gone in, then yeah, that 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 would have been a really good. Uh, that would certainly change the narrative for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and um, but I think when he missed it, it was confirmed. Like, no, I don't think there's any other way for us to get back into this game. Um, and and you know, very soon after the referee blows the final whistle, and that's it. Arsenal lose back to back again, and uh, more significantly at home in front of. The Emirates crowd, I think the crowd were a lot more up for it in the second half as well, and it helped. It did. It definitely did um, push on the boys uh, to try and get something out of the game, but uh, it wasn't to be. Um, and uh, I, I think Arteta, he's going to be disappointed. I think he mentioned in his post-match uh, interview that he didn't get the reaction he expected from the players today. So he's obviously bitterly disappointed with the players I wonder now how they respond going to Southampton because if you know this this was a must win game but going to to St Mary's is like all or nothing really we need to, <laughs> dare I quote um, the Amazon documentary yeah <laughs> yeah I, I I I guess it is and if we lose that then I can you can literally mark it with a cross because we're not getting top 4 if we um lose that one uh, mm. and it, what makes it even worse if we lose on my birthday I'm not going to be very happy oh um, yes you're, you, it's on the 16th isn't it so they're playing on, on your birthday yeah, happy birthday to you uh, a couple of days ago as well thank you very much I tried to um, hide my birthday <laughs> I tried to um, every year no. that comes not every year but this year in particular I was I was um, hoping not to you get more than five messages thing, <laughs> yeah I know huh? I, I was I was hoping I was playing um, like a little, a little game with myself uh, to see whether I'd get less than five messages. I got four. So thankfully I won this year, which was yeah. good. I was but, meant to send you one, but then I, I, I forgot. Then, well, thank God you didn't, because otherwise I would have been um, upset with myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not a really big kind of birthday fan. I just don't like being. Yeah, it gets, it gets a bit, um, it gets a bit, uh, I don't know. I don't want to use the word stale, but I was just like, I'm, yeah, you I'm grow out of it, you know. You go out your birthday, so, so yeah. I'm, I'm still happy for my. It was my sister's yesterday. So, oh yeah, of yeah. We have we have this thing. Uh, me and Varhan have this thing where our family's birthdays are really, really close together. So yeah. So my mum's and my wife is in two weeks. My my my, my, my wife is in is on the is, is on the twenty first. My mum's is on the twenty second. Um, and I think that's it really. <laughs> but yeah, there's quite a yeah. few birthdays. Um, yeah, April is the April is the month. April is the month indeed. Uh, before yeah. we end end the show, I've got a few questions or you know a few comments um, that was made nice. on Twitter. So um, mm-hmm. one of them from uh, Agapito Geraldini at uh, Lian two six one four, who says Arteta has proved if he doesn't learn from his mistakes and can't play when he doesn't have his full team. Today was all his fault. Might as well have played Tavash. Uh, so that's just a statement. Um, would you want to do you want to respond to that or how do you I mean, agree? <laughs> do, do you think do you think this is the general sentiment from the fan base? Is that this is 
Arteta has to take. I mean, what what responsibility does Arteta has to take other than not playing Tavaj in his natural position? And I guess that's a big mistake to make because those two goals that we conceded again, were we're, from not, that we're not, side. we're not, we're not privy until this documentary comes out about what he says in the dressing room. But maybe if he says in his if he says in his post match interview that I didn't get the reaction, the the uh, the the uh, over the question you got to ask yourself or or the question. He obviously he obviously gave them something to react to, so he obviously gave them a little bit of a, you know, a shouting in the in the dressing room. So I don't know, you know, I've seen people say if we don't get top four, does Arteta deserve to go? Well, ask yourself this: at the beginning of the season, did anyone expect us to get top four? No. What was the expectation? The expectation was to finish top six, right? Yep. So. <laughs> with that, um, you could arguably you could arguably say we've overperformed this season. Mm, excelled, which will, which will then which will then guarantee us more time. Mm. And which I'm uh, all for, by the way. Say that again. Which I'm all for mm. because uh, you know, although although we are on a a downward slope. I think our, our, the our, the majority of our good form has to come from Arteta yeah. and 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 the players that he's he's chosen and the players he's decided to bring in like Ben White, Ramsdale, Gabriel, all of the all of those under the Arteta reign have seemed to be flourishing this season. Yes, they're not doing it right now, but they have done many times this season. Did you hear the response uh, that he? his response to i think a journalist asked him about you know not replacing or not adding a striker to the squad in january and letting Aubameyang go um, i think it was somewhere along the lines of you know there was really nothing we could do with the players that we had um either they didn't fit in the system or we couldn't use them um you know or you're not giving them or Given enough money to buy them, <laughs> yeah. So, th- I mean, those that, that was basically his response, uh, not for word for word, but in essence, that's what he said. Uh, yeah, who, who needs to take the blame here for not purchasing a striker because that that seems to have been well, what's cost us the last two I games. I think it's a collective, it's a collective between the owners, Edu and Arteta, mm. um, because Edu is the one. That supposedly supposedly makes all these great signings and helps Arteta decide decide who to pick. Mm. Here, here's another question uh, from Mecca at Arsenal number one. How much do you think that Arteta's apparent stubbornness holds us back? I feel like he feels he has uh, to prove he's right and everyone else is wrong, or can he genuinely not see? What most others can see. Shaka at left back, no. Lacazette threat, no. Sambu with no partner, no. ESR, well, ESR and Odegaard as two number eights, yeah. no. Yeah, um, I get it. He can be stubborn at times, but I think he's only working with what he has. But then I've just contradicted myself because I said he should go out and <laughs> buy yeah. some players and he has the authority to do that. So maybe, maybe there's an element of stubbornness there, but. I, I think yeah. I think that criticism is is a tiny bit harsh because Shaka at left back has worked before, Lacazette or a lack of threat 
um, is is something that we're just going to have to deal with. And that's, that's, I guess, that's the biggest issue right now is why didn't we go out and sign a number nine, at least on loan? If we didn't want to sign one outright, I understand why you wouldn't want to, you know, you don't want to disrupt the chemistry. You don't want to sign the wrong type, the wrong profile of pray, player. No one was available. Okay, fine. But at least someone on loan, at least you've got options. At least you have a starting number nine who has the ability to score goals, a different type of striker. Maybe, a goal maybe, instead, of signing those, maybe instead of signing those American from the MLS, put it towards this America. Um, but, mm. you know, they didn't decide... They didn't. This is maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't decide to do that. But we have to wait until next season now to see what they do. Yeah. Um, the other, the other criticism that this person says is Sambi with no partner. No. Um. Again, it's 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 a difficult one because yes, but these players are injured. Yeah. So who do you play instead of Sambi? You've only got Elneny. Do you play Sambi and Elneny together and Tavaj at the back? Do you play Sambi and Chaka? I've seen Sambi and Chaka play before, and I don't ever want to see what it about, again. You know, again, what about Patino? Patino, I don't think so. Not 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 at this moment in time where we're losing games, where the pressure from a young player to deliver a performance is not healthy for him, in my but isn't opinion. That how, isn't that how Saka and Emil Smith Rowe started? Yeah, but how many Saka and Emil Smith Rowe are there in the world? Patino might be a Saka and Emil Smith Rowe, but is he ready for that? Is he ready to make that move up? I don't think so. If you don't play them, you don't find out. True. But you need to play them in the right conditions, I think. I think I'm you need to... Saying, yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I know, I know, I know. I get that. No, but it, I, I, I say this a lot on, on, on this show, and I've said this previously. Um, when it comes to young players, um, I think they're, 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 we need to protect them, number one. And, and the level of desperation can't steep so low that we need to then look at academy players who are still developing. Uh, but I do agree with the point that Emil Smith Rowe and Odegaard as two number eights is a sticky one. Um, and maybe, you know, it, it could maybe it could have worked had we uh played the right, you know, number six. Um, if if part A had been fit, you slot him there, and then ESR and Odegaard is possible. But there was just no real initiative coming from the middle of the pitch. Nobody no. wanted to pick up the ball. Nobody wanted to drive with the ball. Nobody wanted to play the ball forward. I think everybody was just depending on everyone else to... Every, all of those players were depending on somebody else to do that part of the game. And yeah. that's that's what cost us. Lack of leadership. If, if you could pinpoint one factor to why we lost, what would it be? Um, lack of response uh, from mm. a defeat on Monday. But I mean, and just, just uh, overall, uh, more, more specifically on the pitch. Overall sluggishness, not not working together as a team. James, I did say one. <laughs> well, no, but these are just these are just things that are coming to me. Yeah, organic. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we we can sit all day. We can sit all day and say until we're blue, until we're blue in the face and how 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 we could have done better or how we could have. Why did we lose the game? But what's what's now important is that we 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 move from this again. We learn and we respond against Southampton in a big way. Mm. Yeah, uh, that is the game of all games at the minute. It is the game that decides really what could be happening in the near future. Let's have a look at the league table before we leave. At the minute, Tottenham are winning, so they are three points clear of us. West Ham are behind. 
Uh, but we do have a game in hand. West Ham and United are three points behind us. Wolves lost, so they are, I think, six points behind us. Uh, so yeah. six or five, I think six is six. Yeah. yeah, it's five, five points, five points behind us. So yeah, look, there is a lot happening. Uh, there is still plenty of games to play. I am going to, however, leave it here. Uh, I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who has listened up until this point. Thank you very much for your support. Thank you very much for all the kind words as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Let us know what you thought of this episode by reaching out to us on Twitter. You can find us at AskTherapyPod. Um, James won't be here next week. He will be celebrating his birthday. So happy birthday to you, mate, for then. Thank you very much. We'll obviously see you uh when you when you come back for the for the next one which is well which, which are the big ones really the chelsea's and united um yeah. but yeah we'll see you next week until then take care of yourselves stay safe and have yourselves a very good week thank you very much bye-bye bye-bye guys <laughs>